Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to The Shift, the podcast that aims to tell the no-holds-barred truth about being a woman post-40. Created and hosted by me, writer and broadcaster Sam Baker. Anyone else feel in need of a rom-com right now? I know I do. And my guest today has got your back. Lindsay Kelk's unashamedly feel-good fiction has won her a legion of fans from the Queen Marion Keys to Jane Fallon to Emily Henry and Mari McFarlane. Born in Doncaster and now living in LA by way of New York, Lindsay has written 19 novels and sold two and a half million copies. The most recent of which are Love Me Do, a fun, gender-flipped Serrano de Bergerac meets the holiday, and The Christmas Wish, which turns Christmas Day into Groundhog Day. It was made very clear for me from a very young age that that was wrong and that I should be physically taking up less space. And I think when you're told that from being a very young age, you internalise that to mean mm. every part of you. Self-confessed oversharer and cat lover, Lindsay hung out in my kitchen with Sausage the Cat, but of course, to tell me about losing both her mother and her grandmother in the space of a year, how she learnt that often what looks like a wall is actually a door, and how a northern girl who grew up in a diety household maintains a semblance of self-esteem in the city of beautiful people. We also discussed Lindsay's gynaecological history from hell, and as regular listeners will know, it takes one to know one, finally finding a partner who's all about a green flag and how she's fully sick of ageism in rom-coms. Lindsay, thank you for coming on the shift and coming to my kitchen and giving treats to my cat. I mean, any time to all of those, but <laughs> any time sausage needs attention, I am available. <laughs> well, don't say that because you might find him in your case. I mean, way back, I'll so. fly in. I, I don't <laughs> mind, whatever he needs. I really, really will take you up on that. <laughs> 
<laughs> we should start. Let's start by um because the publicist is sitting in the room. Let's start <laughs> with the book talking about the book. Um let's start by talking about Love Me Do, um, which is just like I had such a great time Aww, reading it. Yes, I might have to confess anybody yesterday. I had such <laughs> a great time. It kind of like Serrano meets the holiday, but without Mr. Napkinhead, which is yes. all good. Uh, well, I was like, is it? I don't know if that's a compliment. Uh, people <laughs> feel very strongly about Mr. Napkinhead. Um, no, thank you so much. That is uh, amazing. Couldn't ask for a nicer, nicer comment. Thank you. What was what? Why Serrano? Why gender flip Serrano? So it, um, I'm really pleased that you got that because uh, it was <laughs> and it is it doesn't always come up it's I guess it's one of those weird stories that I think is ubiquitous and everyone knows it and would get it and not everyone does which is always interesting it might be that age thing that we were just talking about before yeah. we started recording though because I started reading it and I thought oh Roxanne yes exactly. uh, the truth about cats and dogs um and then I thought oh that makes me exactly how old I am <laughs> because that kind of film was Roxanne with, if anybody's too young who's listening to this, um, Steve Martin and Daryl Hannah was literally like, I can't remember when it was. I think I was a teenager. Yeah, I watched it. um, It was a big film for me. I watched it a few months ago. It was so weird, same thing. Like, I saw it when I was little and was obsessed with it. Just, I, It was one of those strange things when you're small and you don't really get it, but you just love it. And I would yeah. always go to the video shop and ask for it. Um, and then I just hadn't thought about it. And then when the new Cyrano version came out um, a couple of years ago. The singing one. The singing one. Because I haven't, <laughs> I kind of wanted to see it because of the cast, but then when I realised there was singing. Well, and the cast is mm. incredible and the national wrote all the music, um, or at least Matt Berninger. And is it singing the actual right? national? you know what it's the things I love Cyrano and I love the national so I thought this is going to be my dream movie and then by the end I'm like right well cool we're done um, okay. so do you know what? it's not a bad film I think it just well it's not Roxanne it's not Larks is it no. but the traditional Cyrano story isn't isn't comedy yeah. but yeah I I was thinking about the story and I knew I wanted to write a story in LA and I had this I the original idea it it mutated so much from where that was but once the Cyrano hook hit that was the thing that really made it work for me because Roxanne is a, is a perfect example, but the original as well is the idea is Cyrano is this super smart, incredibly articulate, eloquent guy who writes these beautiful letters, but because he's got a big nose, he thinks he's not worthy of the love of a beautiful woman. We'll skip over the fact she's his cousin because, you know, <laughs> yeah. it was a style at the time. Um, so that was fine. Uh, so obviously he writes the love letters for his hot friend who doesn't know how to speak to her, but is also in love with her. And it just made me think that what it would take for a woman to feel that way, to feel like she's not worthy of not much. that. Yeah, and it, exactly, exactly. I was like, it would not take what you would personally perceive to be a physical deformity to make you feel like you, you don't deserve that or you couldn't have it. Um, and that's what I wanted to dig into. It was that idea of saying, well, what would put her in a position where we all can see she's like a perfectly normal human that's everything, you know, clearly pretty, clearly smart, really, clearly everything that anyone would need to be, but she herself has taken in so much. It's been a bit of a sponge for negativity Mm. that she doesn't need to have a physical deformity to feel like she's not worth it, which I think really spoke to me as a woman. Um, Because I I could just, as soon as that idea hit, I was like, yep, I get it. I've done that. Yeah, totally. Did did you think that feeling was exacerbated by being in L.A.? The city of the beautiful people. I know. I want to say yes, because it probably should have. Um, I mean, it probably would if I was younger. I moved to LA when I was 34. 
I'd lived in New York six years before that and London sort of seven years before that um, out of uni. My, I just basically like take a take a turn. I had lost my mom and both my grandmothers in a 12 month period. So I was in a real, a real fun place. How old were you then? I was 34. Um, oh, yeah. And I was just like, been in LA. I was just like, I, I don't care. You know, I just didn't care. And I, I had already met my partner. He was in LA and we were sort of long distance dating from New York to LA at that point. So when I moved over there, I think if I'd been younger than that, or mm. maybe even if I'd been single, which is a sad thing to admit, um, or if I hadn't been through such a massive emotional upheaval, yeah. living in LA would have made me feel horrible about myself. But being 34 and having a bit more about me at that point, I survived it. But yeah, LA is a very strange place to live, even if you are everything you could possibly be. So how old was your mum when she died? She was 58. Oh my God, so yeah. young. Yeah, um, yes. and it just it was my grandmother in April and then my mum in November and then my other, next grandmother in April. I was like, wow, I was like, you've, not, you've not left me a lot of space here, ladies. No. So, God. But we are Yorkshire, so efficiency is, is important to us, <laughs> which was God. how we got through it, basically. It was like, hello, Mr. Pinder, the undertaker. How are you? <laughs> oh, you've grown a beard. Um, it, it, was, it was quite time. That kind of, that gives you a whole new perspective on ageing anyway. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I just think, you know, I I grew up in a, in a mining village in South Yorkshire. I was a reader, I was a writer, I was massive SWAT. So I was never deeply popular. Like, I was never <laughs> kicking the boys off, you know. I mean, yeah, it's never yeah. like, oh my goodness. I know, Pretty I know where you're coming party, from. Right? So I think, because I'd, I'd never put myself in that position. I'd never felt like that person. So I think... I actually had a conversation with a friend in LA that was hilarious, who is an amazing woman and incredibly accomplished. She's an amazing journalist. And she had moved here relatively recently, moved to LA re- recently to be with her partner. And we went out for drinks. And she had like two drinks in. How do you cope with like guys not throwing themselves at you? She's American. Um, what, because of your age? Because we're in LA. I oh, think. I see. Because yeah, yeah. she had come from somewhere else, like Midwest. And she was oh, just like, oh my God, I'm so used to being like a 10. And I was like, I've got terrible news for you, Dave. <laughs> I was like, you're over 40. You're, you're, you're minus you're zero. Not a 10 yeah, anywhere like, anymore, you're not okay. anything. And it would, I mean, we laughed about it, but I was just like, wow, I've never felt like that. So I don't know. No. I've always been like, I will win them over with my personality. It's fine. <laughs> like, I can get away with being cute and funny, uh, best case scenario. And then by the end of the night, they'll be drunk and, and I'll be hilarious. So <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a plan. <laughs> and that's, well, I was going to say, so that's still working for you at 40, whatever you are, early 40s. <laughs> but I'm, I'm guessing that you're not out on the pull anymore. I'm not out on the pull anymore. Um, I, I got married four years ago. But yes. 2019 yeah so Jeff might be upset about that I mean might we haven't discussed it he might be fine with it it's hard to say give it five years exactly (laughs) yeah it's been nine years together he's probably about ready actually but you get that everywhere don't you that oh you know woman has to be a 10 to think she's an eight and a man's a six it's like yeah and it's not just looks is it it's everything it's I mean I felt it professionally I, I was an editor before I was an author and I still have very clear memories of when I worked in New York and women bringing books into acquisitions meetings that were incredible books and saying like, oh, you know, I've got this book. Here's the first three chapters. I think it's really great. This is the plan. This is how much we'd spend. This is what we'd make. I really think we should give it a shot. And then a guy would come in, like slam a manuscript on the table and be like, this is the greatest book you'll ever read. Um, and, and I just, enough. yeah. And he would get, he would get the deal. Um, and I, 
And that was in New York where women were a lot more aggressive and, and confrontational in general. And I'm merrily sat there with my spreadsheets going like, well, what I thought we might do. Um, <laughs> and it was just really hard to get any, any, any room at all at the table. Um, and again, yeah, massive sweeping generalizations, but I, think that we're that's done to us from very young to ask permission and prove ourselves and explain why we should be there and why our why we have value why we have worth and men aren't asked to do that generalizing Mm -hmm. and hopefully that's changing now I think maybe it is a little bit but it's it's hard to take up space it's really hard to take up space yeah, I think there's some, um, it's like, this is not me taking an opportunity to drop as many episodes in as I possibly can. <laughs> but when um, Nadia Hussain came on, she showed me this thing that she does before she goes into meetings, and you won't be able to see it because you're listening. But she, and how did she say it? Oh, and she says to her kids before they go into a new school or a different environment, elbows out. And she yeah. does it every time she goes into a meeting and she kind of demonstrated it like that. And you put your shoulders back and your elbows out. And it's really interesting because yeah. you do literally double your size doubles. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I definitely grew up in a family that was very concerned about size. And my mum's side of the family were all very petite and I took after my dad's side more. And it was it was made very clear for me from a very young age that that was wrong and that I should be physically taking up less space. And I think when you're told that from being a very young age, you internalize that to mean every mm. part of you as well. You know, you should be quieter. You shouldn't be so loud when you walk in a room. You shouldn't demand things. You shouldn't expect things. So I just think it all filters through. And that for sure was in the book. That's like who the main character is. She's sort of trying to minimize herself all the time, make herself ultra useful to anyone, you know, never mm. be in the way, just always be the helping person that is good to have around, but never ask for anything for herself. And yeah, I stole that from me. So, yeah. <laughs> or me of the past. I like to think I've evolved past that, but we all have our days, don't we? So did you grow up in a kind of a diety house? Yes. I, well, actually, no, I didn't. I don't know if I even knew that I did, um, but I knew how much I weighed from quite a young age, mm, which yeah. now I've realised apparently is not normal. Um, also, is, it, is it not normal? Apparently not. Um, for everyone but again it was South Yorkshire in the 80s and you didn't talk yeah. about these things no one talked no. about these no. things that like you know my my mom would make me try on all my clothes from last year and with my nan and it would be like very judgmental and now I look back and I think well I was a growing child so yeah some of those yeah, of clothes didn't those clothes fit. didn't fit you were growing yeah it was just really weird and I and I know like I don't hold any ill will to them about it probably did been through a lot of therapy um, <laughs> but they were doing the best with the tools that they had like that's how they were raised you know yeah. it's like you're supposed to be this size you're supposed to look like this and as I say they were all very petite um and then my aunt was like would lead the aerobics classes at the village leisure center she looked like aerobics barbie she was incredible I really like the oh, you're oh not, yeah I not remember the green goddess eight, yes telly. no we had yes. the green goddess exercise video I used to do it when I was like eight <laughs> I would put it on mainly because I loved her I loved her but yeah absolutely and if any when we were going on holiday or anything like that Nana Nana would only eat salad so Nana's having salad for dinner because we're going what, on holiday before holiday yeah. yeah so get bikini body ready yeah yeah but no, there were no bikinis obviously because Nana's not wearing a bikini it's filth uh, <laughs> <laughs> so then you went to you went to from to London and New York and LA is that was that a reaction? Do you think to growing up in that like small community yeah. with one hundred percent? Yeah, um, yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't get out fast enough, and it's nothing. It's you know, it's no one's fault. It's not the village's fault. I just didn't fit in there, um, and it was made known to me. 
I mean, just a rough go of it at school. Mm. And even when things weren't rough, you're faking it. And you know, when you're a teenager, you're amazing at faking it, obviously. Mm. But I was just so unhappy. And all it's just all eyes on getting out. And I went to Nottingham Trent because I had sort of big, big ideas of getting away and doing all these things. Came out to Edinburgh, actually, because my uncle's from here. And so I'm going to go to Edinburgh University. I'm going to go to London. And then when it came to it, I was like, no. <laughs> I think I'll just go 40 minutes down the road and do baby steps. Um, but also got turned down from a ton of unis because... Even though I had really good grades, um, I went to a, a South Yorkshire comprehensive mm. that had kept failing Ofsted. We failed Ofsted twice and eventually they just knocked it down and built a new school. My English teacher asked me to apply to, I genuinely can't remember now, which is insane because it was such an important moment in my life. She told me to apply to, I think I applied to Cambridge because my English grades were really great. And, you know, I got A stars at GCSE in lit language, so they... Like, you should apply, apply. You'll get an interview. It'll be amazing. And I applied and then they called me for like a pre-interview and they were like, oh, but there's one thing on your application. We think it's wrong. It says you're doing English language, not English lit. And they, you just put the wrong thing. And I was like, oh no, my school does English language. And they just immediately were like, well, you, you just won't be able to keep up with everyone then. Sorry. Uh, so it's a no. And I just remember sitting in the, it was the head of year's office and I just couldn't move. I didn't know what to do because I, even though I came yeah, from this really like tiny stunning, village, yeah, I just, I was very naive. I think I didn't realize how limiting that would, would potentially be to me because I'd always been the clever kid, you know, in inverted yeah. commas. I'd always been the one that was told by teachers that was going to do well. And then you're sort of 17 and somebody says, oh yeah, no, sorry then. I'm like, but you don't even know. You don't know what I could do. You've not given me a chance. No, and you don't have a choice about whether or not you can sit English literature no, if no, they exactly. don't. That was a really weird feeling to not be able to explain or defend myself or, you know, ask. Well, especially when you've got to like 18 You've got yourself to 18 by going, we have to get out. Yeah. And it doesn't matter that I've got no friends, that everybody bullies me because I don't look right and because I know the answer. You get there and that's like, actually, yeah. no, this door's shut too. Yeah. And it's shut forever if they decide, they decide, whoever they are. Uh, and that was sort of a, that was a recurring theme for the first few years out of uni as well. It was just very, it was such an eye-opener right away. I was like, oh, so I won't be able to get a job in this industry because... I went to Nottingham Trent and haven't got the right connections and I don't look right, feel right, speak right. And that was, it was just so weird. It was so strange. And I don't think I ever stopped feeling that until I got to New York, honestly, where suddenly you're just the English girl and that's exciting. <laughs> you get away with it's murder. It's interesting that that, because, you know, New York's meant to be harder. And I suppose it has its own class system, mm -hmm. but you were outside of it because... Yeah, and it is. I mean, it was brutal. It was a, a year. I was in the New York office for a year and you would think they were trying to cure cancer. And I'm like, we're making children's books, so maybe everybody needs to come down by about 75% yeah. and maybe have fun and enjoy themselves and, like, love this instead of trying to literally stab each other in the back at every given opportunity. But I just, I think I always felt slightly removed from it. Uh, and I, like I said, I was always, like, the English girl. The English girl. So I was like, yeah, sure, cool. Like, <laughs> this is fine. Yeah. And, and by that time, I was writing books, so I sort of had one foot out the door probably um, by that point. Tell me about the move to LA then, because you kind of think New York is like a stressful place to move to. Mm -hmm. And New York was my dream. Like I was in love with New York. I'd already written a book about someone who moved to New York yeah, before I did York. it. Yeah, yeah, I literally hearted New York so hard that a month after the book came out, I moved there. 
And it just, I made, it was my whole personality. For the whole six years I was there, it's like, I live in New York. I live in New York. I'm a New Yorker. Mm. I do New York things. I'm Carrie Bradshaw, which I'm now like, oh God, she's dreadful. Uh, <laughs> you know, but we didn't yeah. know. Again, it was, we didn't know. She wasn't dreadful then. Oh, I know. And was, then you watch actually, it back, but... don't you? You're like, oh my God, what a horrible human being. Yeah. I would never be friends with you. No one, none of our friends should have been. Uh, but anyway, I digress. Um, but no, New York was glamorous like... and exciting and fun and electric and all these things. And then, as I've already mentioned, like a lot happened in one year and I just went through a lot. And I had met Jeff, my now husband, over in LA through some friends. I just, I knew I needed to change something and nothing was really wrong, but it was just, you're 34, it's that weird sort of cuspy time. And I'd been dating morons in New York. Everyone's a monster. So I was like, I Mm. think I've met a nice man, which seems to be extraordinarily rare. Mm. Um, And I'm a writer, so there's nothing holding me here. Nice man without baggage? Nice man with no baggage. Zero baggage. In his 30s? Oh my God. He was in his 40s. He was 43, I want to say, if I was 34. That never happened. I know. Well, I spent a, a good six months with my friends doing a lot of FBI level research. Yeah. So what is wrong with this man? What okay. has he done? Where are the bodies? Um, not only that, like he had female friends who were mutual friends and they were like, oh, you should meet his ex so-and-so. She's amazing. We love her. You'd, you'd be really good friends. And it's like, oh how is he God. friends with his exes? Oh, that's What's wrong a green with flag. That's good. So many green flags, which as a 34-year-old that had been dating in New York for six years, I didn't even know what they were. And he was friends with his exes, like really friends with them, not he thought he was friends no, with them. No, genuinely still friends with them. Like we'll mm. get coffee with them and we'll email one of them's in France and he'll be emailing with her. Like it's it's terrifying to me. Oh my um, God, why didn't they now? grow him? They grew him in South Carolina oh. uh, and he's an identical twin. Oh, well, there is another there's one. Two there literally is there's another literally one. two of them. Uh, but yeah, his story is also, it was, it's so funny. Our lives were so far apart. He's sort of nine years older than me, grew up in South Carolina, rural, not rural, actually, that's not true, but like sort of a little town called Boiling Springs, sort of attached oh, to nothing, wow. but very sort of industrial working class. Um, and our lives were so, so different, but then our experiences were so, so similar. Uh, like, you know, they went to the state university and then he left and sort of went traveling because he went back to his hometown and was like, I don't fit in here. This is not where mm. I can't be here. And then he and his brother moved to New York and he lived in London and Edinburgh actually for a few months. He did a BUNAC. Wow. Uh, so it was, yeah, it was really one of those really weird, completely opposite lives, but very similar experiences. So I was lucky. <laughs> I was lucky. So yeah. you had been a, a real marriage refusenik, hadn't you? Oh my God, absolutely. Like, yeah. I'd go as far as say anti-marriage. Honestly, yeah. I, I just couldn't see the benefit in it. I was in a long-term relationship in my 20s, had no interest in it. We broke up, obviously, obviously. Um, moved to New York. You, you know, you're doing the New York thing. I'd never dated because I had a boyfriend from being sort of 20 yeah. to being to leaving. Um, so you're starting dating, figuring that out. It's horrible. Everyone's awful. And then when me and Jeff met, yeah, I was like, well, this is fine. This is fine. Got engaged in May 2019. And I was like, let's just get married. You do the engagement thing. He did. He proposed. He did the whole thing. I was like, please never do this. And then he did. And I cried like a baby. The first thing I said was, thank you. Uh, (laughs) Which I'm not quite sure why. Because I just did not see it coming. I had no idea. Uh, And then, yeah, we were like, let's just... Let's just get married. I'm not doing the whole thing. Courthouse, three months from now. If anyone wants to come, they can come. Um, and then ended up somehow having like four dresses and two days of oh my God, full and stuff. Yeah, but like very bridezilla, but like low key because it was all on me. I didn't do it to anyone else. I was just like, well, if we're going to do this, four I'm dresses. Like, I want all of it. I'm like my little vintage 60s dress. And my, although I got married in a Debenhams, uh, the Sienna Miller 
<laughs> Debenhams dress I bought online in the sales. Very pleased with myself. Fair enough. Looked you take glamorous. the girl out of Yorkshire. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I like a bargain. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it was very low-key. Um, but he had never planned on it. I had never planned on it. We'd already been together five years. And was your kind of like, I don't see the point of marriage, was that to do with, what was that, was, was it to do with family? Was it to do with society? Yeah, what I think a bit of it? everything. I mean, I've mm. always been um, shouty feminist at a very young age. Yeah, no, me too. Me uh, too. Yeah, I would yeah. like... Some might say still am. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, my favourite drum to beat is Down With The Patriarchy. Every podcast gets there eventually. We, yeah, we made well, it. Yeah. Um, and we were always going to get that. <laughs> <I know. laughs> but yeah, I, um, you know, I was... I campaigned for a girls football team in junior school because we didn't have one and then they made me play on it I'm like god I don't want I don't want to play on it like I'm fat with glasses leave me alone (laughs) this is my worst nightmare were you really fat with glasses or did you I mean oh yeah no I I was not questioning the glasses I was just a chubby little a chubby little thing with glasses even good looking people aren't really cute between 10 and 15 it's mean look at the Olsen twins like I remember working on Mary-Kate and Ashley books when I worked in children's publishing and they went through a really weird stage where they just like look like little mutants and like adorable <laughs> little mutants but you're like oh, okay we all did it yeah. Um, yeah we've all been there this is fine um and I say that with nothing but love for the pair of them I, I just it just never appealed to me no, no. which I know sounds it, it sounds strange to people and I write rom-coms I'm like but yeah. it doesn't mean I don't believe in love and I don't believe in romance and I don't want those things but my parents divorced when I was eight and it was brutal it was really ugly and I just was remember seeing all of it Uh, and that was horrible and then my almost everyone in my family was divorced from parents generation I think we've got one aunt and uncle that are together from when they got together and Jeff's family is the same so I was like neither of us really had amazing models of it so I just wasn't quite sure why you would spend my exact words were spunk 20 grand up the wall yes, <laughs> for yeah, other people yeah. to eat chicken. Yeah. Um, which, and no one really enjoys it. I don't know anyone that like properly loves a traditional wedding. Do you know what I mean? No. Like, I never, I, I feel really awkward at weddings. I don't know what to do with myself. Mm. I'm bad at weddings. Well, you're always, I don't know about you, but when I had not, I, I seem to have managed to not go to too many, but I always feel like I'm on the other table. Yes, yeah, I know. the kind of people we don't know what to do with table. And I have a lot of disparate friends. So I have a lot, I have a lot of really, really good friends because I've traveled so much and I do such a weird Mm. insular job where it's just you. So I have a lot of very close friends, but they they don't know each other. So yeah, you end up going to all these things where you just don't know anybody there. And you're just like, hi, hiya. And then you're on and you've got to be on all day. And that's exhausting. If you're really an that smile. Yeah. You're like, oh, you hi, how are you? Nice to know you. Great to meet you. Yeah. How do you know it? Amazing. Oh, my God. Oh, I met her there. Yeah. <laughs> so don't do this to people. Let your friends just come over and get drunk. Or not drunk, if that is their want. Um, which is what we did. We just did City Hall, went for dinner with family, and then the next day we just had a big party. That, and that was great. Can't remember any of it. Like, completely, like, <laughs> blank most of it out of my brain from just excitement and stress, I guess. So that point when you had, like all that horrible shit going on in your life and you moved to LA was that did you also have that kind of you know that and not that timeline thing that weird timeline that we all kind of seem to live by that nobody really knows who made the timeline Mm -hmm. who said this is the timeline that you're meant to have a get have a partner by this time yeah have children by this time have own property by this time I didn't I didn't because it's always there isn't it like there's no Mm -hmm. getting around the fact that it's always there and we all know it because like you say someone decided it and it's now baked in whether you like it or not but I think because I'd rejected it 
in my 20s, like when I had the long-term boyfriend and we had a mortgage and we bought a maisonette in Wimbledon and we did all of that. I've never been more unhappy. So did you leave that? Well, we we broke up um, sort of a year before I moved to New York and he instigated it. And I was so shocked because I had been wanting to instigate it for months but just wouldn't have because I again I talked to my mom and she's like well this is what real life is what did you think it was going to be I'm like oh I didn't know I was supposed to be unhappy amazing I'll say I'll say where I am then challenge double thumbs up and then yeah I told him I'd been offered this job in New York which you know stuff like that takes time so it was a year after that that I went and he was just like I think we should break up it's not working out and I was so shocked and now I'm just like so grateful because we were making each other so unhappy and it was so stupid and now obviously hindsight is amazing and he immediately <laughs> married his assistant and knocked out a kid. So I'm like, perfect. Okay, great. That's what you wanted. And I, on now I'm able to say, like, I'm really happy that you were able to get what you wanted because I couldn't have given you that. And if I had given you that, we would have both been unhappy You've forever. Been so unhappy. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think once I'd rejected that there, I felt freed from it a little bit. Always known I didn't want kids, I think. Pretty sure. Everyone kept saying, you'll change your mind and I'm nearly 43 so I'm like, I hope I don't now. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. would be terrible really time. Really out of time then. Um, yeah. Um, so when did yeah. you, if you say always, when when do you think that kind of sense first kicked in? I just never had it. Never, mm. ever. Um, like I had a baby doll and I didn't know what to do with it. I'm like, why have they given me a plastic baby? This is so weird. Yeah. And I'm like four. I just remember yeah. being like holding this doll because I've got a cousin who's six weeks older. So whatever she got for her birthday, then I obviously had to get for my birthday because... That's how you. That's how it's yeah. done in, yeah, in South Yorkshire. Yeah. One gets, the other gets. Um, and I just remember literally, holding this, yeah. literally, and I held this baby, and I was like, "Thanks." Like I'm yeah. four. Like, put okay. Where are the My Little Ponies? Like, that's yeah. where my game is at. So it just was never, you know. And you would talk about it growing up, and and as kids, you would play play house and play having kids and stuff. And it just, I don't know. I just, I really can't tell you when it happened, why it happened. Um, but I'm like Jeff and I had the conversation like second date. I was just like, I'm forty. I'm 34 and you're 43 and I need to tell you right now that if you're looking for the mother of your children, mm. we should probably knock this on the head. So you did that right up front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd been in New York dating for six years of absolute nonsense and playing the game and doing the rules and, you know, like, oh, well, you can't say this up front, you can't be too keen and you've got to wait for it. And it's all bollocks. Um, so as soon as I met Jeff, I was like, there's no point. And we were just sort of that connection straight away where I knew I could be honest and if you didn't like it, tough. That is evidence of the rough year that I have been through and just really not having any time for nonsense anymore. And just asking for the audience, is his brother taken? He is sadly, sadly, I apologise, yeah. <laughs> also gone. <laughs> you never know, maybe like yeah. a wait list. You never know. It never hurts, does it, to put your name down because you never know when a ticket will become available. But you need to win it. Because yeah. uh, I need his health insurance. So <laughs> you can't have Jeff. <laughs> up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
Alright, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Um, did you feel a, a pressure to change your change your mind? Because there was, I mean, I've definitely had a sense where I never particularly wanted them, but also never conceived. Yeah. I, you know, it was always this constant from all sorts of places, people whose mm. business it really wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that, oh, well, you will change your mind. Yep. Oh, constantly. I mean, I'm still getting that. I, I, I delight in telling people I won't now. I used mm. to be very like, oh, well, you know, I guess you never know, never say never, haha, because that seemed to make other people feel more comfortable. But now I'm just very happy to say like, no, no, I don't think I will. Thanks, though. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I, you're act- we're actually fine. 43. Perimenopausal. Great. Leave me alone. Are you perimenopausal? Yes. Which has been a thrilling start? year's adventure of doctors saying, no, you aren't. You're far too young. I'm like, I'd that- like to list you all my symptoms. Yeah. And then we'll oh. realise that, and then we'll talk to I ants. I can give you some books to give for doctors. I know. Honestly, they need it. It's insane. And then you finally talk to your aunts, because obviously like, my mom's not around, my grandmother's not around, and they're both like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a pretty young. Yeah. Great. I'm like amazing news can we all start talking about this much younger so your mm. kids know what to expect please because I had no idea I thought I'd gone mad I thought I'd like yeah. I know this is such a common thing when I listen mm. to the shift it's like yeah we all thought we'd gone completely insane because no one told us and then we go to a doctor and the doctor says don't know you do know some symptoms in a kind of a like a distant cliche kind of yeah. way yeah like you're gonna get back fat and night sweats and, yeah. <laughs> But you don't know those, that kind of, I think I've gone mad. Yeah, yeah my, literally, it's I brain, had a tenor for everybody fog. who said it. It's all brain fog. That was the whole thing. And we went through all these possibilities. It was because they'd put me on an IUD. And then they're like, it's the IUD, it's the IUD, take the IUD out. And then it was like, oh, maybe it's the COVID vaccine. And then it was like, oh, maybe you've had COVID. I'm like, well, I haven't had COVID. And it's not the vaccine. So this was your brain, was, this was brain fog, yeah? But yeah, it, yeah. Was that the main symptom? Yeah. Oh, and it still is. Like, I'm still going through it because I'm still waiting to get proper treatment uh, which is fun yeah it's been about a year it was last summer I first sort of started saying to people something's really wrong I feel like I'm jet lagged all the time and the doctors kept saying it's fine it's fine it's fine and I'm looking at the levels because my I'm lucky I'm really lucky I have amazing health insurance so I get to see everything that they've done I'm like well everything's on the very lowest possible number of normal yeah and I am only 42 so that feels kind of weird uh, I've always had issues with like the whole reproductive system. So it's like, oh, 
and then I talked to some family, you know, my two aunts and my dad's side and my mom's side. And they were both like, yeah, we both started really young and your nan had this and your nan had a hysterectomy at this age. And, you know, your mom went into mm. menopause right after she had you, you know. And I was like, also information what? that would have been really good to yeah, have. Your mum went into menopause yeah, in triggered her mid-20s. The, yeah, yeah. And they just put on, Holy shit. They put on pills and told her to go away because it's the 80s. Or an antidepressants. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, there you are, off you go. So then I go back and the doctor still wouldn't have it. They referred me to a rheumatologist because they're like, maybe you have an immune disorder. Mm. They referred me to a neurologist. I went to see everybody. And it was the neurologist in the end who was sort of middle-aged woman. And she just said, there's nothing wrong with your brain. She's like, but I've just looked at your levels because it's all in the same hospital. And she's like, you're, you're perimenopausal. And I was like, no, that's what I said. But the doctor says I'm not. And she's like, yeah, I'm 55. And I'm, I'm telling you that you are. And that is what mm. it is. And look at your testosterone, look at your progesterone go and have them do it again um and still the, the gynecologist said she wasn't going to do anything because it, it couldn't be so i've now got a referral to a peri specialist uh this summer so i'm hopeful that soon my brain will be mine again oh my yeah, God. it's crazy isn't That's it insane this is like i am not a doctor just saying this for the audience but really gets me when you're just constantly sent away by and you know and this is for the inevitable person who will leave a message on my social Instagram. This is not GP bashing. It's absolutely not. not I feel really sorry for GPs have a terrible time. But so many women are just sent away again and again and again and told that their experience yeah. is not... It's not real. Oh, I have and incredible so you doctors. Can't work. Incredible doctors. I am at UCLA in the States. I have, it's like the second best hospital in America, I want to say. I've seen three gynecology specialists. I've seen a rheumatologist, neurologist. I've seen so many people and they have been, I have so many friends and family members that they've treated for other things that are incredible. This, for some reason, is a stumbling block where all of the doctors I've seen have been younger and they've told me it's not that. And mm. then the one woman I saw that's been through it looked at the levels, discussed every symptom. And she's like, I'm not, this isn't what I do. I'm a neurologist, but this is what's wrong with you. You need to go back and you need to ask to see this specific specialist. And it's, it shouldn't be that hard. And it's the same, no. these doctors are working incredibly hard. I've nothing but empathy. I have family in the NHS. It shouldn't be this difficult when it is something 50% of the population is going through exactly. to say, please, will you believe me? What do you think about the kind of ageism and sexism convergence in society do you think it's getting any better I want to say it is like I think it will like I genuinely do I see the generation coming up and I love that they will just ask for what they want and say what they want and they're not afraid of that and I absolutely love that because I was literally taught the exact opposite ask nicely and you might get it you know mm. literally I want never gets yeah. was yeah, a exactly. saying ask in my family yes, yes yeah I want never gets that was our Family, not family motto, but it was up there. But it is a real thing. I mean, I've been writing rom-coms. My first book came out in 2009. I've consistently worked the whole time. Like I've had a book out every year and now rom-com's really hot again. Mm. But suddenly it's like, well, let's bring Nana Lindsay in. Uh, it's a great, yeah. <laughs> great old woman of rom-coms. And it does feel weird. Um, and I'm like, well, it's not different. And I don't know why it would be strange or why... Why someone wouldn't want to read a book by someone who's been doing it for longer and has had more life experience and more writing experience. But when you're not the shiny new thing, it feels strange. I feel like I don't see that as much in male authors. And, and I live in LA, so filmmakers, TV make everything as well. Mm. You know, all of the great male directors um, and screenwriters 
no one's telling James Cameron to go and sit in a corner because he's been doing it ages and we'd like to hear from the younger people, you know? Nobody ever said we've got one about a middle-aged white man, did they? <laughs> no, God, no. Sweet Jesus. Uh, really not. The characters in Love Me Do, sorry, are all in there. They're 30s ish. They're all in their 30s ish. I think Bella's a little bit younger, who is the French yeah, that she meets yeah. in LA. And then we've got a fantastic octogenarian. I was going to say, and then there's the <laughs> fantastic Myrna. All hail Myrna. I'm going to be more Myrna. Uh, that's my, new, my, that is my, my saying for the book, is be more Myrna. <laughs> um, but, um, and I think, and you have to read the book because, like, Myrna is chef's kiss. Myrna <laughs> is who I want to be when I grow up. It still feels like, and this is not like, a knock at you, it's just a general comment. There's allowed to be an older character, but only one. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And absolutely. they're almost like a comedy. I mean, yeah. She's fantastic in every way, but I want I want Myrna to be the lead. Where's Myrna's rom-com? Yeah, yes. right? And, yeah. and I, I don't want to write Myrna's rom-com. I want an 80-year-old woman who's lived Myrna's life to write Myrna's mm. rom-com, and I want that to get published, and then I want to read it. Um, and I cannot answer the question for you, but I, I mean, it is definitely something I feel as I've gotten older, when I first started writing, my characters were my age. So they start at sort of 26, 27 and they gen- gently crept mm, up. Yeah. Um, and then I think the oldest character I've written now is 34 and I'm 42. And I'm like, why? And I can't even tell you why. Because no one said you can't, but I think there is a pressure on me that I feel like I can't. Because, you know, it's like we're told romance happens to younger people. You know, falling in love mm. is something for younger people. Rom-coms are for that. But it is changing and people are writing all the characters. And I get a lot of messages from people saying like, oh, will you ever write a book about a woman who's older, who's sort of divorced or is, is a second mm. love? And I'm like, I, I, I might. I haven't been through that. Part of that story is I haven't. And I think somebody will tell that story better than me. Until mm. I have, you know, if I have an idea for it, I would absolutely do it. But I would never want to speak in someone else's voice when I know there are writers and women that have lived that and would do an amazing job of it. Yeah, it is a weird feeling. And I don't know how much of it is internalized that I think I've got a cap at an age if you're writing a certain type of story. Uh, but I, I included an older sister in Love Me Do that she has a sort of a, a journey as well. Yeah. That I yeah. really, that was really important to me and inspired by a friend who'd gone through something similar at that age. That to me was really important because I think that's a story that's not getting told. But I couldn't, I didn't want to make that the focus. That's someone else's story to tell. Yeah. But it's something else. So like, let's, let's have this conversation. Yeah, let's just have these other conversations going on in that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to do. Like every book is all I want it to be is joy I just want it to be like a a relief for someone like if you're on holiday or you're on your drive to work like whatever it is I want you to be able to escape in it that is my reason for doing it amazing but I very much want to show the best face of the world I live in you know Mm. it's kind of a Schitt's Creek analogy I was thinking like it's this isn't the real world clearly but it could be Mm. you know it's like this is the real world on its best day yeah um everyone should be here everyone is welcome at this table and no one should feel like they don't belong here but that's not as easy to do as it sounds either no, <laughs> like, that's really hard and then be like lol yeah, <laughs> full, yeah. full chuckles yeah. <laughs> but on that cheery note i'm actually going to drag you back to an uncheery note oh fabulous <laughs> amazing <laughs> that is actually the point where i should go now i'm going to ask you the questions i always ask but i really want to pick you up on something you said earlier um about being given the IUD when you yes. went for uh, perimenopause, yeah, non-help, um, <laughs> and also you're kind of like 
gynecological shenanigans. Oh, well. let's open it wide. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, so she's I've there. had a lot of gynecological <laughs> shenanigans myself, so I'm always fascinated with other people's gynecological shenanigans. Yeah. So where do we start? Do we start with the IUD? Oh, Tell God, it's everything. All that. the way back. Like, I was someone as a teenager had crippling period pains. Like, literally laid on the floor, could not move, sent home from school, carried out of a science class, put in my teacher's escort sunset. <laughs> like, it's such yeah. a clear oh memory God, to me. Being picked sunset. up off the stall, the high stall, because the bell rang and I couldn't move. And the teacher came over and was like, what, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm trying not to cry I physically can't move and they had to pick me up and carry me out and I remember she had a simply red tape in the car like it's such a clear memory because it was such excruciating pain and I'd had it for ages but everyone was like overreacting as usual drama queen yeah Yeah. so finally got to the doctor and they put me on the pill when I was like 14 because like this is all we can do Mm. sorry welcome to the next 35 years yeah yeah and they were like well it might be something else you could have something wrong but you're 14 so we'll just figure it out later and I was like oh cool no worries. Um, and then I stayed that way until I was 34. I'd moved to LA. I'd got all the way to LA and I got to a new doctor and um, I just lost my mom. And it was she had breast cancer. So told the doctor, blah, blah, blah. Health insurance. Oh, we've got to get off the pill. Get you off the pill immediately. Take you off the pill immediately. I'm like, oh my God, I've been on it for 20 years. I can't come off it. I'm, I'll be in agony. I can't come off it. So was it pain or like really heavy? It was just or- excruciating pain. Oh my God. Like absolutely blinding, cannot move, don't do anything pain, uh, which then they took me off the pill, which came back immediately, immediately. Uh, so I was back in agony. So they just took you off and didn't yeah. do anything else? No. They took you off because you'd been on it too yeah. long? they said, uh, no, you can't have hormones because your mum had breast cancer. Didn't ask any questions beyond that, like what kind of breast cancer or anything like that, or what treatment was for anything, just like come off it. Um, so I was back in agony, two to three days a month. We would just have to write off. I would have to like... And it was pretty regular, but I would have to literally diarise things around and holidays. And like the wedding, we, mm. I was like, we're going to have to plan around when I can have a period. Mm. Um, it was just so, so painful. Uh, and eventually I got a doctor to check for endometriosis and they did a scan and they're like, no, it's not that. And I'm like, well, what is it then? Like, mm. not, this is yeah. not normal. And but it's just that, again, standard thing. They just don't believe that the pain is that bad. I'm like, oh, from Doncaster. Like, I'm pretty, pretty hard. I think I could take <laughs> yeah. a lot. Um, but it was just, it was, and it was my husband who was just like, you cannot live like this. This is not okay. Um, and then sort of, yeah, symptoms got weird and the pain didn't go in away. And then I went into UCLA when I got on his fantastic health insurance and I got an amazing doctor and she was she sat and listened to me for an hour just mm. all of it she did gene testing she did everything and she was like okay so you don't have the gene the breast cancer gene so we can put you back on the pill and I didn't know that was an option no one had told me that that was okay and she's like you know the pill we're putting you on has the smallest it's the, the percentage of that causing breast cancer in you know your situation is so tiny for the pain you're in and they put me on sort of annual mammograms so to stay on top of that I'm in a breast cancer study at UCLA all of this great stuff on that side of it but they still weren't really dealing with the pain mm-hmm. what caused it and why uh, and then yeah after that they were like let's try an IUD. Let's do that instead. Yeah, because I know when I had finally got my um, adenomyosis diagnosed, which was, I won't go into a long, boring story, but it, ultimately it was a private gynecologist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had fibroids, polyps, and adenomyosis. Oh, and one of the solutions that she proposed after taking the fibroids and polyps out was um, putting in uh, Myrena. Yeah, Myrena, yeah. Because that, you know, 
the amount of progesterone. You know, yeah, 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 blah, yeah. Blah, blah, so blah. tiny. Yeah, and but then she also said, "But you've you're all out of eggs, so you're going to have menopause really soon." <laughs> so I was eggs. like, "Well, let's not bother then, because I really want to have an IUG." Yeah. So let's not bother. But that kind of it does seem to be like the default solution. Yeah, and I just really feel like they need to give you a heads up past the note that I got saying take two paracetamol an hour before you come in <laughs> to oh, get it, have put, it in. put in yeah just yeah. like wow I really didn't I can't decide if I'm happier that I didn't know how painful it would be yeah. or that I should have been given more warning and options I because see. it was probably the most painful thing I've ever had done you didn't have a local done. or anything no no, no I'd I had a woman's the... hand to break while they, like, she held my hand and said, don't worry, I'm very strong. And I was like, you should be worried. I uh, don't know it was whether bad. that's a regular thing or not. Message me. Let me know if that's a regular thing. Yeah, there were different options. Apparently in the States you can, some places will do a local, but what my doctor had said, firstly, she was like, one of those incredible doctors who's like, I'm amazing at this. <laughs> like she was so excited to do it because she's like, you're going to be stunned by how incredible I am at it. And I was like, but they're my favorite kind of doctors who are just like so obsessed with the thing that they do because uh, they're so passionate and they want to help. Um, but she had said doing the local itself, the injection is so painful that by the time you've done that, you may as well have just well. had it yeah. done, which I totally understand. But yeah, that was that was a thrilling ten minutes of my life that I was not ready oh for. Oh my god! Yeah, uh, I can't yeah. imagine because I had a a womb ablation mm. to deal with the adenomyosis without any, Oof. and it hurt so much that I literally the minute I got out of the doctor's room, I threw up. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like that full. I, I went to pain. throw up, but didn't throw up because I hadn't eaten because it said not to eat. On the, yeah. the thing I said, don't eat, take two paracetamol. I had cunningly two taken paracetamol. a cocodamol yeah. um, that I had. <laughs> if I'd known how bad it would be, I might have popped a Xanax in there as well because it was just a lot. And the obviously the IUD didn't do whatever it was meant to do anyway. Because no, you had it out again. and it was devastating because I. I mean, for the cramps and my skin, I get acne when I get my period and all of that stuff, even in my 40s. Like, all of that was amazing. Period just went away. Pain went away. Skin was clear. Everything was amazing. Felt incredible. And then the brain fog just came back harder than ever. I was like, oh, amazing. Thanks. So then I went to see another doctor because mine had left, obviously, because the amazing doctor always leaves. Uh, and I told her I didn't know what was causing it. So she just whipped the IUD out without asking. She said, let's just get it out. And then it was out. I was like, right, okay. <laughs> thank you Did so you? then I went to a different doctor after that one uh, who wants to put it back in so it's, oh, a, it's, a, it's a thrilling journey oh through Lindsay's reproductive health god it's yeah. like but the thing is it's just so not a rare story. no I know that's and this the is thing it. it's like you know, I probably could probably could have one of these stories nearly every episode I know I know and it's just that, and it's just so that's weird because like. being 42 I feel like I not I am sort of the beginning of my friend group of going through this. Like mm. my older some of my older friends have been through it, but we've never really talked about it that much. And now I'm like, who will talk to me? Like, please will someone talk mm. to me about this? And the fact that the doctors were just like, No, you're too young. And then you talked to so many women, they were like, No, no, that's about the age I started feeling the symptoms yeah. actually. Yeah, it's, it's a not bit too young. Than me, but I was yeah. told I was too young and I was well, forty six by the time I think. Oh yeah. god, I don't know. But yeah. It's just it's just so I just can't get my head around it. And it's is, is of all the things on the planet I can't get my head around I just can't understand why when there are so many women doctors and there are so many women in gynecology like why it's not better 
Like, why have we done this to ourselves? Why have we internalized all this? Is there no funding? Is that not available? The pharmacy is the pharmacies not? Do they not want to get into it? Is it not sexy enough? Is there not enough money in it? Because big pharma loves nothing more than cash, and surely there's yeah. some cash to be had here. There you'd must think. be some people working on it now. Now it's starting to. Now the waves that have started here have made it over the Atlantic. There must. Be. I mean, just think how quickly you know they came up with Viagra. <laughs> it's like you well, got that going, didn't you? Fast enough, fellas. That's the what, whole what thing, can we isn't have, it? please? Well, that's the thing. It's like you can get, you can go and buy Viagra over the counter in Boots right now for yeah. what I don't know, eight quid, something like that. I've never bought any. I don't know, but it's not very expensive. <laughs> I just saw an advert for it on telly for the first time the yeah, other day. I was like, well, me. it's a different world. Just before I ask you the questions, yes. I always ask. <laughs> now, your perimenopausal, are your is your period pain getting any better? Uh, I am, so I'm back on, this is so bizarre and I know no one's been able to keep track of this. When they took the IUD out, they put me back on a different pill, basically shut me off and make me go away until we can, I can see the specialist when I get home to LA. Um, so currently I don't have any pain because I'm back on a different, um, contraceptive pill, but I haven't on this pill. I'm not having any periods. Right, yeah. But am I not having periods because I'm on the pill or am I not having periods because I'm perimenopausal? No one knows. That's the trouble, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's a like thrilling adventure of what day of the week is it? I don't know. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> on that cheery note. <laughs> what is your emotional age? I think it's about 32. I think I'm 32. I always think I'm 32. Oh, Turns out I'm 42. I was always old for my age, says in inverted commas. You know, she was always the grown up. I was always the one that was in charge of things and whatever, even though I was the youngest in the family. I was always older than I was. And I remember being at work in my early 20s and be like, I just want to get to 30 so people will take me seriously. Even though I worked in children's publishing and wore like Pokemon t-shirts. I look back now and I'm like, it wasn't your age. It was you. It was a t-shirt. <laughs> it was the pigtails and the t-shirts and the bleached blonde hair. And then I think 32 just... I was living in New York. I was published. I was sort of, I felt like I had not in control of anything. I just got into therapy, actually. That's that's probably a big part Mm. of it. I really felt like I had got hold of what I was doing at 32. When I look back now, I'm like, oh my God, that was your strangest year. Like my best friend was going through some terrible things. Like my mom was diagnosed, was in a horrible relationship. But I just really fully felt like the fullest expression of myself. Mm. Which is so weird because people will be like, oh, was that when you met your husband? Or is that when everything was amazing? I'm like, no, actually, looking back, terrible, terrible mm. year. But the individual days, like there were terrible things that happened. But that year, that age, I just finally felt like I had a hold of it. Um, give us a book recommendation. God, all of them. Um, all the books. I keep recommending and I'm sure everyone's sick of hearing it, but it's the book I've read this year that I loved more than anything else and I'm furious that it exists because I want it to write it. But Juno Dawson's Shadow Cabinet. If you watched Buffy ever or grew up being a weird craft-watching teenager oh. in the 90s, anything to do with anything. If you if you lit a candle and wrote a boy's name on a piece of paper and burned it, yes. you know, which we <laughs> yeah. all did. Yeah. They are just incredible and I know a lot of people are like oh I don't read fantasy I'm like but it's not it's she's written everything in those books and it's done with such a light touch you don't even see how much she's done until you've got to the end of it and it is paced beautifully it's breathless I, I'm obsessed with them what advice would you give younger women it's so hard because I wouldn't have listened to anything 
that I would have told mm. myself. Do you know what I mean? Like, no, it's stupid. Die. Every single day I want to be like, sorry, mom. Um, like, all those times <laughs> I told you to fuck off. I guess that's the advice then, isn't it? Is to listen. It's just, and not even listen, but ask questions. There's so many things I didn't ask my mom and my nan that I can't now. Mm. And I know that's such a common thing, but it's like, you just don't think it's going to happen. And now, like even going to the doctors, stupid things, like they'll say, well, what age did this happen? I'm yeah. like, I don't know. Don't know. I'm like, well, what kind of breast cancer was it? I don't know. You know, we didn't talk mm. about those things. We're from yeah. Yorkshire. <laughs> and that matters to you in relation to HRT it matters as so well much. As yeah. Else. It's not just emotional and family history, like things about family history that I don't know, or like mm. people's middle names that I've forgotten, you know, and I can't mm. ask who's, or yeah, what was Nan, great grandma's last name, whatever. Stuff like that that seems so stupid until it's gone, until that information mm. is gone. Um, but also, yeah, just basic bare bones medical facts. Like, please ask those questions. You might need to know it one day. But yeah, yeah, just ask questions and ask everybody questions, not just your family. Like, just be a sponge. Just take it all in. That's brilliant. That's a really good practical bit of advice, actually. I'm I'm a very practical person. (laughs) That's what I know. (laughs) Who is your old bird role model, except for Myrna? You can't have Myrna. Oh, God. Um, It is Myrna. Um, (laughs) I wrote Myrna because I wish I had a Myrna. Probably, this is the worst recommendation anyone's ever given, but probably Lucille Bluth from Arrested Development, um, (laughs) who I just think is the greatest woman to have ever lived. (laughs) Terrible human being. And yet every time I watch Arrested Development, which I do frequently, I empathise more and more with Lucille as the time goes on. I really fully just want to get to the point where I just, I I give fewer fucks on a daily basis, but I do Mm. want to get to the point where like Kim Cattrall style, I don't want to be doing a single thing for a single hour of my day that I don't want to do. Like, that's my aim to get to. So I guess Lucille Bluth slash Kim Cattrall. That's an excellent goal. Um, so you already answered my last question. So I'm going to, my last question will have to be, what's your superpower? I think about this a lot. <laughs> I think about this a lot. It always used to be that I wanted to fly. And now I think that's just going to cause you trouble, isn't it, with drones and the like? Yeah, it's not practical. Yeah. Um, so I would be able to speak any language and understand any language, but animals as well as, like, any living creature sentient creature i would love to be able to communicate with it so and then i could send you outside and say what is sausage really thinking exactly when sat there in this and i just want to be able to explain to them when i have to do something that they don't want it's it's because i love them you know like yeah, i want to be able to say to the cat get in your box stop screaming on the way to the yes, yes it's going to be fine it yeah. sounds like a really altruistic superpower but actually i just want my cat to stop screaming at me on the way to the vet Thank you for listening. If you loved this episode, you might also like my conversations with Jane Fallon, Jojo Moyes, and Marion Keys. You'll find a link to them in the show notes. You can hear a new episode of The Shift each Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, please do rate, review, and follow, because it really does help other people find us. And if you'd like more of The Shift in your life, head over to theshiftwithsambaker.substack.com and sign up for weekly newsletters, podcast extras, and more. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.